0: Hi, how is everyone? Let the comedy begin. Everybody ready for Christmas? Yes. I'm so excited. We're, oh, it's right here. Okay, I found it. Uh, yes, we're getting there. We're We're excited because we're actually going to have all of our kids in at home at one time. That'll be amazing. It's, it's weird as you get older and they start to leave. Well, when they're younger, they don't want to be there. And then when they get older, they come back and they want your money. So... It's uh, it's weird how that works, but it somehow it does. You know, uh, we are in uh, Ephesians, and uh, it's it's been a great series. But we are also in this time. We are receiving what we call it every year. We do a Christmas offering, and the Christmas offering is for um, for single moms and for families that during Christmas time have a difficult time. Last week. Our goal is $5,000. Last week we, we raised uh, $1,950. So I'm really excited. So it is going directly to families and moms, single moms in the church. So you know there are, uh, there are boxes in the back and on the side with envelopes that you can give. And what I'm asking is if you go to this church and call this church home, I don't care what it is, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars or somewhere in between, I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to give. So whatever that is I'm asking you to give. Um so it's it's a great opportunity for us to be able to love on our our families and and uh and uh single moms in this time. Key dates, Advent, uh, hey, next week we're having one service, it's a morning service, because we have a church in the evenings, that, so we will not be doing a, a, a Christmas Eve service. Um, I, I can give you some some great, there's great churches that will be having Christmas Eve services that you can go to, but we will not. And then um, family home Christmas, um, we have cards that I thought I was bringing David, you didn't remind me. I picked them up and I was bringing them and I didn't. But what we'll do next week is we pass out these cards. And it's the opportunity for you as a family to to worship and celebrate Christmas. The first thing you do, Jesus, the morning of uh, Christmas. So we'll have those for you next week. And then uh, the 31st is uh, New Year's Eve. So uh, we're, we're excited about that and having you guys for that. So... Um, this is, as Chris stole my thunder, um, is is the third week of Advent, which is joy, the joy of God. Hey, Eddie, how are you? Good to see you. Um, <laughs> <this is laughs> you good back there, kneeling? Can I get you a hamburger or something? Um, <laughs> We need to pray. That's the bottom line. Let's, let's pray this morning and bring this baby back into focus. <laughs> All right, join me. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this Christmas season. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, we will truly um, worship during this time. God, we'll enter the story of Christmas with family and friends and, and others, Father God. God, help Eddie to be a little more quiet in the middle of prayers. I thank you for Eddie. Lord, I thank you for laughter. God, uh, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Oh, look at that. You see, I mock that which I don't understand. You have them back there? Yes. These are, gosh, now I feel bad about busting his shop. Why did you have to go and do that now? It was goodness. Um, he'll We'll have them in the back, but as you'll see, um, they're cards, and, and what they're for is on Christmas morning, instead of going right for the presents, which we do, what we've been able to do with our kids is, is what we do is, which was a little awkward last year, let me tell you, um, all of our kids, my, my daughter and son-in-law, you know, uh, the ones that left the church. Anyways, they, uh, they, I'm kidding. I can't say that. I can say that. I just did. Anyway, we love them. So, we, what we do is we all get it. They're going to actually a really great church. Just if you're a guest here, sorry. Um, but, but but what they do, they all come into our house and we all jump into bed. And before we open any presents, we do this. And it's, it's, um, it's several things. One, it's the word of God. So we read a scripture. Two, it's, um, it's, it's giving. We talk about what we're we're appreciative and why we give. Three, we sing a song. That's not pretty at all. Um, (laughs) And, and it just sets the tone. And it, it just says to me and to her and our kids that, that this is first and foremost. Sometimes it's awkward when you have a 30-year-old man in your bed with you, you know. But it's, it was crazy. Like, last year, Luke didn't know what to do. Because my kids is all pile in the bed. And he's going over there. I'm like, you're good over there on the couch. Don't worry, you know. But um, it is a great way for your families to, to really start that Christmas day off the way that I believe that God has called us to. So um, we'll have those in the back. Eddie, thank you. You're back there. Now he's organizing things. <laughs> you, I owe you. Gosh. All right, let's, let's jump in. Uh, in this Ephesians 4, we're in uh, 8 through 16. But And Paul starts off, as he has in many of the, the passages in Ephesians, and he says this, Therefore, it says... When he ascended on high and led the host of captives and he gave them gifts to men. And we've got to again look at that therefore. Whenever Paul or anyone says therefore, he's referring, he's transitioning. He's saying, I was talking about this and I was talking about this. Therefore, I need you to think in the context of what I just said. And what Paul had been talking about was grace and salvation and God's gift. And he shifts into his gifts. And he says, therefore, the the grace and the salvation I'm talking about, therefore, what we're going to talk about now is the gifts so that they go forth. And Paul has this this here, and he, and he, but he shifts when he gets to 9 and 10, and he says this. So he goes from remember, so what I want you to do, if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to the messages, but, but I, he's saying, remember what we talked about. We talked about God's grace, saved by grace through faith that no man should boast. We talked about all these things that, that Paul thought were really important, but then he, he shifts and he says this in verse 9 and 10, and saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But he has also descended the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended afar above the heavens that he might fill all things. And Paul is what he's saying here. He's given us a picture of Jesus' victory. He's given us a picture and he's reestablishing Christ coming to the earth as a baby, living out his life. And then, after doing what he did, dying on the cross for your sins and mine, what he does is he ascends to the right hand of the Father, he resurrects. Paul is, is is reminding us of that as he goes into this scripture. In fact, Hebrews twelve two it says this: Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, what are we in this week, Chris? What are we in? Joy, third week of Advent, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now, that's a whole nother mind-blowing sermon. That the joy set before him allowed him to endure the hardship of life. That the hardship that you're going through or perceive that you're going through, you can walk through in joy. Because we saw Jesus do it. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Paul says he, he, he ascended as a baby, and then he did what he was to do. He died on the cross. He rose again, and then, and then he, he, he descended, and then he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He, he's laying this foundation for reason for purpose, and the reason and purpose is so that you and I will not forget what Jesus did during this Christmas season. So that you and I will not be distracted by all the distractions during this season. It's, it's that, that therefore is, is taking you back to the foundation. Taking you back to what God wants you to hear. Taking you back to where you need to be in this time. Which is before Jesus. Not before all the things that are sitting in your forefront of your mind. And he says this. The gifts to the church. Verse 11 and 12. He talks about the gifts to the church. You see, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's it's interesting because most people during Christmas time, the most perception that we have is that our gifts are for us. But the Bible kind of turns everything on its ear and says, no, 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 your gifts are not for you, they're for others. The Bible takes all the gifts that you receive and says, now take them and then distribute them, use them for others to build up the body of Christ. That's what Paul is saying right here. He says he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I I don't want to go down. There's a a, a theological trail that I can go down, which I'm not going to go down, but I'm going to give you an overview. And the theological trail is this, that there, there's a, a group of, of Christians and theologians who believe that these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers have passed away. They were for the establishment of the first century church. Once the church was established, there's no need for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But the, the interesting thing is you know, if we're going to pick and choose, and they, they usually say the apostle's dead, the prophet's dead, you know, um, and they, they go, the evangelist is all right, and the shepherd we need, and the teacher is the primary gift. To which I, my rebuttal is, is experienced life. What do I mean by that? I've seen apostolic men, small a. Men that are, are, are apostolic, not apostles, but apostolic in their giftedness. I believe I have a gifted and apostolic gifting, meaning this. I love planting churches. I love imparting. Apostle literally means sent one. That's it. It means to be sent. Sent one. Prophets, prophets, the greatest prophetical word that you will ever hear is having a pastor stand up here, read God's word, and unwrap it and, 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 and give you a peek into something you never saw before that's the greatest prophetic word you'll ever get. But I do believe God speaks through men and women that have a prophetic gift today. I believe, Kanawani, this man has a prophetic gift. And, and, and God speaks to him and he speaks to you. oh, Now here's, let me tell you, it, it, you whenever someone gives you a prophetic word, I balance it against the word of God. I balance against others. The evangelist. Well, we just watched the evangelist get the cards from the back. The evangelist is, let me tell you about the evangelist. The evangelist doesn't care. The evangelist does not care that service is going on. The evangelist, and that's not, a, I'm not saying that in a bad way. The evangelist doesn't care that you're having dinner because the evangelist steps in and tells the truth the of God's word, regardless of the circumstances. He's a bull in a china shop. Who's the evangelist here? We need the evangelist. We need the... There you go. Point proven. (laughs) Shepherds. The shepherds, people like the shepherds because the shepherds are kind-hearted. The shepherds are the one who gather. The shepherds are the one who, who attend to... To those who are hurting and and the shepherds are one who, who guide and direct and keep the sheep and, and and I mean Abraham is a great picture he's a, an amazing shepherd and and there's there's uh, many in this church and uh, you know we we love having the shepherds the teachers are, are are so important you know Melvin is a teacher he's a teacher in real life and but but he teaches this word very methodically very line upon line and and, and premise upon premise it's a way a teacher breaks down and they're all needed in in in, in my opinion. When I read this word, I, I see him and I say, Each one. Now, if if you don't have that same theology, that's fine. I'm all right with that. I, you're not gonna offend me. But what we believe here is that that the gifts that God gave to establish the church are still establishing the church even today. Why did he give them? He ultimately gave the gifts to build up the body, to build us up, to encourage us. To, to, to get us off our seats, off our butts, out of the seats, and out there to do what God has called us to do. To stir the body of Christ, to equip the body of Christ, so the body of Christ will not be asleep. That's what Paul is doing. He's like, remember, therefore, what Jesus did so that when you come into your giftedness, you're wide awake and you do what God has called and created you to do. See, there needs to be more therefores of remembering what Jesus did, so therefore you will do what God's called you to do. And unfortunately in the church, there's not a lot of therefore, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, and it doesn't tie into, oh, I I have something, a gift that God has called me to do. Here's the question, who are the saints? We're, you know, when yeah, the saints, you know, saint something, saint some. The Catholics have, have deitized saints, which we don't. But who are the saints? You and me. You don't have to be Mother Teresa to be a saint. You don't have to be the mother of Jesus to be a saint. Although I think she was a saintly woman. You, you, God says the saints are those, you and me, who are working and doing what God has called them to do you and me what's the question the question is what's the ministry that he's talking about what ministry again see the bible unfortunately for us we read this word and it's it's it can be disjointed. So we don't pull it together. We don't go with the therefore, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gifts that God gives for this reason. We don't think linear. We don't think logically many times. We'll pick one scripture and we'll run with that scripture and don't see what he said before and what he said after. But Paul says, therefore, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and I'm sending gifts so that you will do the ministry not that John does the ministry because he's the pastor. Not that, that, that the, the name of that person, that Eddie will do the ministry because he's the evangelist. Not that, that in, you know, Seth will do the ministry because he runs all the, the, you know, all that stuff, whatever he runs back there. Not that. It's so that you will do the ministry. You're the church. I just had the privilege of being able to shepherd, pastor a little and teach a little. But you're the church. The work of the ministry encompasses a wide range of functions within the body of Christ it's teaching, evangelism, hospitality, mercy, encouragement, leadership. There's, there's a number of gifts, and I'm not going to go through them all today, that God gives and disperses. But you, you got to know what your gift is. One of the things we're, we're going to commit to this this next year, and at the beginning of the year, is I, I just started working on it, is downloading an abbreviated spiritual gifts test so that you as a, a as a church know what your gift is. I'm going to ask you to hand it in. I'm going to ask you to get it, understand it, get it back to us as a leadership team so that maybe we can keep you accountable a little bit in it. So if we see another evangelist, I go, hey, you need to hang with Eddie. If I see another apostolic giftedness, I'll say, hey, let's go meet. Uh, you know, put, if you see someone that has faith, you go, you are working your gifts. That's why it's important. Uh, how many of, by show of hand, how many people have taken spiritual gift tests before? So a lot of people haven't. That's on us. That's on me. We're going to do that. And you're going to Find that giftness. You see, because each one of us is equipped with the unique gift, and it plays a role in fulfilling God's purpose. This is why, when your son and 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 son-in-law and daughter come to you and say, "Hey, we feel like God's moving us to another church," I'm all right with it. I don't want them to leave here. It kind of ticks me off. I think I'm great. <laughs> Apparently, they don't. <laughs> no. I'm all right with it because of this, because God places in the church so that those who are placed in a church will do the work of the saints. So let's think about that logically. If, if, if my son-in-law and daughter are here, but they're called to be there, and they have a giftedness that they walk in, where's that giftedness needed? There. Do you see how that works? God places according to his will as he sees fit, not as you and I see fit, fit, Romans 12. Your giftedness is for this house so that we'll reach the lost. That we'll love others well. So when someone says to me, there's a difference here. Some people just disappear in church, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're here for a little bit and then, oh, where'd they go? You know, and and, and no one's following up with calls. No one's, you know, that, that just... That drives me nuts when people just disappear. When someone comes to me, though, and says, we're leaving the church, the first thing I always say is, well, okay, I'm all right. What did God say? If they can clearly articulate that God spoke to them or that, that he sh- in Scripture or confirmation of words that God is moving them to another church, I will bless them all day. I'll bring them on the stage. We'll send them out. We'll bless them, even if it's your, your son-in-law and your, and your daughter. But if they tell me, well, you know, John, Chris offended me again. I say, I always say when they say that, I always say, (laughs) I always say, I said, I don't care. What did God say? See, There are situations God will place you in that you're not comfortable in. And God goes, I don't care. He didn't say that, but he says, I'm putting you there for a reason. I want to sidetrack. I'm sorry. This is interesting. We're talking about you know equipping uniqueness and gifting and fulfilling the purposes of God. Yet the largest Christian denominations in the U.S. a relatively low level of involvement among their members. Statistically speaking, twenty percent. That's Pew Research. Pew says that about 20% of, of major uh, denominations, and we're not Baptists, we're not uh, Episcopalians, but we run in, in similar circles as Protestants, and, and, but it says 20% are involved with their giftedness. And that, to me, even seems high, okay? So I went to uh, Blackaby, who, who does studies also, and Blackaby said about 4%, 4 to 6, actually. And I'm going, that sounds a little bit more like it. Four to six percent of the people walk in their giftedness and use their giftedness within the church that God calls them to so that the gospel might go forth. Uh, let me give you an example of that giftedness because it's not always what you think it is. There's a, a man in here, Richard. I love Richard. You, you never hear from Richard. He's just steady. He just he is he's sitting right there with a hat. I know you're mad because I'm gonna point you out. This guy's a master carpenter. This guy can build anything. He has a gift that God has given him. And he's, he's I'm like, Richard, I need a bigger stage. He's like, when do you need it? I'm like, oh, by Christmas, because we're gonna have a big thing. He, he's like, no problem. I'm like, Are you kidding me? It's, it's a man that, that calls his churches home, that loves Jesus, they said, I- I'm going to use that giftedness to bless this church. Rick Winney, same thing. I mean, the brick in the bathroom, same thing. Doesn't ask. And he's really mad now because he hates when you call him out. But Rick wanted everybody to know that he did the bathrooms. <laughs> so, Rick, I am telling them now, and I'll put your plaque up later, I promise. <laughs> I, uh, we, please come back next week, Rick. Or Debbie will. <laughs> There's a giftedness that they walk in. It doesn't just look like the things that we say, evangelists, although there's evangelism that are on these men, but there's evangelism that goes forth when you do these type of things and allows the Word of God to go forth and people get changed. Giftedness, the Bible, or the Bible, Blackaby says four to six percent. I want to move that number by you being able to identify your giftedness. And I want that number to be 100%. It's not going to be 100%, but I want to get it in the 50s and 60s at least by next year. Some of you won't be back next week. (laughs) But it's time to enter the story. That's what Paul's saying. That's what I'm at. It's time to enter the story. The story called... Christianity. Jesus entered the story 2,000 years ago. We say this every week. So that you and I can enter the story. John 1, 14. The, uh, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He entered the story. Jesus came in the embodiment of human as a baby and and, and just... I can't imagine what that must have been like. But he came to do that so that you and I would know that he experienced what we experienced and that you and I might enter the story. Jesus entered the story. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, he says, enter the story. Get in the story. Because it's in the midst of the story. It's right in the middle of the story that you feel life. Why are both Paul and Jesus so interested in you and I entering the story? A Couple of reasons. Your joy is in the story. Number one, your joy and my joy sits right in the middle of this story. Your joy doesn't sit in your, your things, your joy doesn't sit in you getting better, your health, your joy doesn't sit in in your marriage being better, your joy doesn't sit in any of those places. Because the reality is you can't control any of those things. I've tried. She won't do it. Come on, that's really funny because you guys know it's the opposite way. You can't change one another. Only Jesus can change you. Some of you are working so hard to change that person next to you or that parent or that kid or whatever it is and, and, and you think your joy depends on that. See, why are Paul and Jesus so interested? Because your joy is in the story. Number two, this I know, the story's difficult. The story's really difficult. And the third thing is everyone has a story. Let's look at those three real quickly. Number one, the joy is in the story. Your joy, my joy, is in entering the story. It's in the story that I find my giftedness. In the story, that I find the gifts that God has given me. In the middle of, the, of this story, God defines who I am and tells me who I am. I find my giftedness, giftedness. In my giftedness, I find my purpose. And when I walk in my giftedness and I walk in my purpose, what I find is that I grow. I'm just, it just, it's just flowing. It's good to great. It's Jim Collins, that flywheel. If you ever read the book, it's great. It's just, you know, the flywheel, it's just, it just gets really tight. And it's just hard to move. And then it gets momentum, this flywheel just starts. And it just becomes really smooth. And it's the same thing with Christianity. When you know who you are, when you discover who God has created you to be, and then you walk in those purposes, and you walk in them as God has called you to, what happens, there's just a joy in life. And then difficulty comes. And life goes all right because you have a joy because you know who you are in Christ Jesus. Your joy is in the story. Finding my gifts. We, we looked at some, Romans 11 and Ephesians 4 both talk about gifts, but it's, it's beyond the five that we talked about. It's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, uh, shepherds, and teachers. It's hospitality. It's mercy. It's encouragement. It's leadership. It's wisdom. It's healing. It's the miraculous. It's understanding. It's faith. It's giving. It's encouragement. And, and twice, it must really need to be encouraged and serving. Well, I think the reason that it's up twice, Chris, is because my gift is encouragement. <laughs> Have I told this story at church? We were having a small group at our house early on, and uh, um, we were going around, we were asking everybody, what's your gift? And and I just I'm, can be sarcastic and make jokes, and all night I've been making jokes and sarcastic, and... and uh, And she would look at me like that. And, and, uh, you know, we'd go down. the. And when it finally got to me, I said, my gift is encouragement. To which she and everybody else in the place started laughing. Because I was so... You guys don't get that? Okay, I'm completely... Sarcastic. You guys suck. I'm not an encourager. I am not an encourager, but I want to think I am, you know. So when it came, yeah, okay, let's keep going. Um, let's go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's not my gift, but I want to think it is. And Chris laughed at me yet again. <laughs> Finding my gifts. We find our gifts throughout the scripture, Romans 12, Romans 11, Ephesians 4, throughout scripture. It's in my giftedness that I find my purpose. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as a good steward of God's varied grace. Your gift, what did we say earlier, is for others. Although it's a blessing and it's for you, it's for others. Your gift has been seen through this word so that you might give it to others. My encouragement is for others. Again, that one just fell and no one laughed. Okay. Your gift is for the people you work with. Your house, your kids, your husband, your wife, your neighbors. My gifts are, the purpose, are the, for the purpose of others. And when I walk in my gifts and purpose, then I grow. We wonder why the church is stunted in its growth because somewhere in here, whether or not discovering your gifts or whether or not knowing your purpose or, or whether or not walking, one of these three things is not connected and you don't see growth in your spiritual walk. I'm just stunted in my growth. I go, okay, uh, do you know your purpose? Yes, I know my purpose. Okay, do you know your gifts? I don't really know my gifts. Oh, are, are you walking in the purposes of God? Well, I'm not so sure. Okay, that's why we're not growing. It, you know, when, when, when I look at my kids and raising kids, that no one knows the purpose of your kid better than the parents. Correct? Would you agree with that? In the same way, God the Father, okay, knows the purpose of his children better than anyone. And, 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 and when my kids, when, when they're struggling, I go, that's, that's not who you are. When, when, I, when one of my kids is doing something that they're not created to do, and they're, they're having a tough time in life, Like baseball. None of my kids could play baseball. They couldn't hit the ball. Wrong sport. That's not your purpose. Let's get you out of there. Plus, I don't want to offend baseball players. Okay. (laughs) Paul says this in verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, the body grows. So it builds itself up. Now, yeah, I have to pause at that point and, and say, you know, is, is, we have seen growth. I think we've seen growth in this church from the 15 that we had when we started to where we're at today. But, but I, I've got to stop and go, okay, God, what do you have next for us? And, and that comes through you guys. And when I say growth, I don't care if they're necessarily sitting in here. I like I feel better preaching to a full house than 12 people, but that's about me and this isn't about me. But come to church. <laughs> Look, if you, if you tell me, John, I, I, at my job, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm not pulling out my Bible, but I'm reaching people with the gospel and they're getting changed. And I'm like, that's the church. I'm, I'm good. That's the body functioning as she should function. And, and if you want to send them to another church, I'm all right with that. I got to believe God is big enough to move the pieces accordingly, not just how I or where I think. The selfish part of me goes, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. But that's not what God has called us to. He says, go out, get, by, get people, just get in and change and allow the Holy Spirit to change their lives and then send them out. If it's not here, I don't care. We have been blessed to, to be a part of planting, I think the last count, over 50 churches it doesn't look like it because we only got about 50 people in here. But when I start to go and thank all the people that God is, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. Blown away. See, God's economy is completely different than your economy. Did you know that? It doesn't make sense. Everything's upside down. We see in scriptures, you know, if you want to get, you give. If you want to give, you get. Huh, something like that. <laughs> first shall be last and the last shall be first. God's economy is a little bit different. It looks like this. When I know my gifts, I walk in my purpose. When I walk in my purpose, I have joy. Okay, let's keep going with this. You want to know why so many Christians are struggling with no joy? You think, well, man, that Christian, they're a miserable bunch you want to know why there are so many I'm, I'm baffled by the number. I'm baffled by the number of times I don't walk in joy. You want to know why Christians don't walk in joy the way God has called them? To? Are you struggling with joy? You want to know why? They don't know their gifts, therefore they don't walk in their purpose. See, because when you walk in your purpose, it doesn't matter how much money you make. When you walk in your purpose, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you're married to or not married to, although that is important. And what I mean by that is, is, is this, that, that God is bigger than that. When you know your giftedness, everything changes. You ever wonder why so many successful people are miserable? You know those people. They're worth millions. They've got it all. And they're the most miserable people you've ever met. Has anybody ever run into someone like that? And don't just say that because you're pissed because you're not rich. You know those people. They got it all, but they just don't have it all. It's never enough. On the outside, you look and you go, man, they got it together. Man, they got it all going. Man, this looks good. Man, I would love this. But they're miserable people. You want to know why? Because success was never God's intention for your purpose. It's only a byproduct. I'm going to say that one more time because that was really good, and it came at about 4.30 this morning success was never God's purpose for your life. He didn't mean, he didn't go, oh, I want to make Josh so successful. Oh, I want to make make I want to make, make whoever, I want to make him so successful. That was never God's plan. But you know what? Time and time again, it's a byproduct of God's purpose. When we focus on the success, we miss the purpose. When we focus on the purpose... Sometimes people say you're really successful. But let me tell you something right now. What I have learned in the purposes of God, you know, is that I am incredibly successful. And I I don't say that in an arrogant way. I am successful because God has allowed me to walk in my purpose and know my giftedness, and, 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 and he's just blessed us beyond my the, the, the pro- byproduct is the stuff. The real blessing, five kids, a few grandbabies, maybe a couple brand more grandbabies coming soon. That's a little insight. <laughs> the, the, your money is just a byproduct. Your houses, your cars, just a byproduct. You need to be thankful. <laughs> but it wasn't God's intention. And I mean that, it doesn't mean God is mad or anything other than that his heart for you and I is that we walk in the middle of our purpose. See, because when you walk in your purpose and you are successful, you realize something. The reason I'm successful is because I'm walking in the purposes of God and he gave me the very next breath to draw on and that's the only reason I have any success in the first place. There's a humility that walk coming. Let, let's flip it around. You ever wonder why some people going through hard times or, difficult, or difficulties have such joy? You, you ever seen those people? <sighs> They're gold. Those people are gold. When you know their story of pain and, and difficulty and anguish and there's just a, there's a smile on their face. I just, I just, you're just attracted to those people. Even in the middle of the hard, they're using their gifts and walking in their purpose. Holly's, Holly is, is one of my favorite people. She always has a smile and she's always full of joy. And she's always serving and a part of, of being right in the middle of the giftedness. But I know there's some physical challenges that she has. But you would never know unless you dug in deep and, and said, I hope you're all right. I didn't ask you if I could say that, but I love you and you're amazing. There are people, you can clap, sure. All right, we'll give you a round. Why not? All right, thank you. Um, although, you know, you didn't give Rick and, and, and Richard a round of applause, so I kind of feel, you know, a little out of balance there. Right in the middle of their stuff. I, I know, it, I, you guys are probably sick of hearing about my mom, but uh, in the middle of her, which is, uh, I don't care, um, you get to, I, I'm here, you get to hear about my mom. In the middle of her stuff, there's always a smile. There's always joy. And if you know her, like my kids and, and, and my dad, like we know, you knew the pain, but, but no one knew the pain. It, it just, that's, that's someone who's walking in the middle of their giftedness. It's God's economy. It's God's economy. God's economy is this knowing your gifts equals knowing your purpose. Knowing your gifts and walking in your purpose equals joy. There's where your joy is. That's where your joy. Your joy is not in the next thing. Your joy is not in him changing. Your joy is not in her changing. Your joy is not in anything other than this. Knowing your gifts that God has given you, knowing what Jesus did on the cross, walking in your purposes to be a part of what God's calling you to do with others, and walking in that purpose, what will happen is joy will naturally come. My wife likes to make things beautiful as you can tell by me. No, she, she missed that one. Um, she is an expert at making things beautiful. And, and, and she takes things, and, and um, it, God placed in her this purpose to help make things beautiful, whether it be my children, or, or whether uh, it be our houses, or whether it be this place, or whatever. There's just this gift in this. And when she walks in it, uh, she, she, she is who God has created her to be. Is it an evangelist? Well, you don't go, uh, beautiful, making things beautiful equals evangel Well, I would argue that to be not true, that, that when you come in here and you see the beauty of what has been done, it, it sets a, a, a stage for, for, for God to move in such a way because you feel at peace in this place. When you come into my home, there's a peace because of what she has created that allows the Spirit of God to do what God is going to do. It's a giftedness. My children didn't get that. You go into the room, it's a gift of chaos. (laughs) God's economy. Gifts plus your purpose. Walking them out equals joy. That's where you find joy. That's the heart of joy. Because you're doing exactly what God had called you to do. Number two. This I know. The story is difficult. Look, in 27 years of pastoring, here's what I know. Life is difficult. It just is. Matthew 7, 25, Jesus says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house. The difficult times are coming. They're different for each one of us, but know that you know that you know this. Difficulty is coming. You're either right in the middle of it, coming out of it, getting ready to go into it, or you got a little reprieve that's life. I don't always like it, but let's just call it what it is. Paul says it this way in Ephesians as we're 414. The reason life is so difficult is because you are acting like a child. Now, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If this doesn't pertain to you, just take another nap. But if it does, you need to wake up and you need to listen to this. Because what what Paul is saying to you and me is grow up. Hey, church, grow up. Don't be like children. He literally says, he says, stop acting like kids. No longer, verse 14, he says, no longer be children. Why? Because children are tossed to and fro by the waves. They're carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. This is why. I look through the lens of this word. He says, Stop being kids. You wanna be culturally relevant. You wanna be, I'll use the word woke. You wanna say all and be all things to all men. He says, You're acting like a fool and you're acting like a child. He said, "You take the word of God as a mature man or woman of God, and you don't compromise this truth. You're not self-righteous. You don't beat, beat put ah, easy for you to say beat people over the head with this word. You're not you're not mean or angry, but you stand on truth at the expense of you, because your defender is Jesus. And when the world tries to compromise what this word says." And the world says foolish things. You go, nope, I'm not going to be tossed to and fro. You want to know why the church is all over the map? Because in many cases, she's not willing to take a stand and say, this is truth, like it or not. I, what the heck? Abortion is abortion. It's murder, Period. And if you don't like it, this is the wrong church for you. I don't want to be tossed to and fro. I don't want to be called a child. I don't want to stand before God and him say to me, oh, oh, you child. What I want him to say is this. I want him to embrace and say, my child. There's a difference, oh, you child, and my child. I don't want to be inconsistent. I don't want to not know. I want to use this word and, and it be my guidepost for truth, not what I feel, because if I go by what I feel, I'm not here with you right now. I'm down on the beach eating donuts and croissants and looking if I should go surf. That's, that's my emotions. I'm sure it offended somebody. Sorry. You want to know why you have no joy, why we have no joy? Because we're being tossed to and fro. You want to know why you have no joy? Because because there's there's so much coming at you on Fox News. You want to know why you have no joy? Because there's all this crap coming at you on all the other stations, CNN and MSNBC. You want to know why you have no joy? Because your mind is so overcome by stuff that isn't this Word of God? You want to know why you have no joy? Because you're looking at that phone, swipe and swipe and swipe. Oh, look at them. They got it all together. Oh, look at them. They got it all together. Oh, man, she looks great. He looks great. Man, I can't believe it. They have no flaws. They're perfect. You want to know how you have no joy? Because of craftiness and deceitful schemes of the enemy that keeps you in a place that doesn't allow you to walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus and have a smile on your face church, we have to wake up. And I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. Life is hard, but it's a lot harder when we Christians don't grow up and don't know who God created us to be. Life is much more difficult. I refuse. I refuse. My children will tell ta- I refuse to allow them to act like kids at 21 years old in my house. I refuse to act, allow my my 14-year-old, I'm not allowing her to act like a five-year-old. No, you need to grow up. There's responsibilities. There's things you have to do. And God is sitting up there and he's saying the same thing to me. He's like, I refuse to leave you in your stuff. And he just kind of, pushes. And right now, at this very moment, God is speaking to many of you and saying, I'm going to refuse to leave you in your stuff. And, And this message, as offensive as it may be to you, I am doing it to pull you out of what you're in and push you into what I have for you, which is your giftedness, your purpose, and that you would walk in it so that you would walk in a joy. That's what God is calling us to. For some of you, it's fear. God's going to make me do something I don't enjoy. I've seen momentary pictures of that. <laughs> but but he, let, me, let me say this. I've never seen it over someone's life. I've never seen God make someone do something that they don't enjoy. Let me prove the point to you. Eric Liddell. You know who Eric Liddell is? Chariots of Fire. And said this. He says this. I believe that God made me for a purpose... What we're talking about purpose but he also made me fast and when I run I feel his pleasure what, what okay so back to what I said I don't believe God I've never seen that God makes someone miserable in who they are well th- their circumstances may be miserable but when they walk in that purpose they feel the presence of God this was about running. This is a guy who was running and, and, and not running on the Sabbath and all the, this great movie, watch it. But, he, but he, he, he says this profound thing. When I do what I'm created to do, this man was created to run. He was created to glorify God. He was created much more than just running, but that was one of the things he was created to do. And right in the middle of him running, he could feel the presence of God. When you do what God has created you, do, you feel His presence. You feel His peace. You feel his, pre- uh, his 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 pleasure. When when she creates, when she does, she feels the presence of God right in the middle. I know it's Pam when Pam teaches these kids and runs school. I know when you're right in the middle. I know there's stress, but right in the middle, but you feel God's presence because you're making this impact. And I mean, Rick, when you lay bricks and you make things beautiful, I know you feel God's presence in the middle of this creation in the Creations that you do, Josh. When you when you when you create music, and God's right in the middle. Your whole family that that God's presence. You can feel the presence of the Lord when you do what God's called you to do. Melvin, I know when you when you're teaching and at that God-forsaken USC that that you you feel you feel God's presence. They're playing in like the Outback Bowl. That's good. And and then, but you feel God's presence right in the. Oh, no, you're not teaching at USC, are you? Oh, that's right. You were an admin at USC and you left and went over to the right school. Okay. But I know you feel God's presence right in the middle of your teaching. We've had that conversation and that's what he's talking about right here. You see, when I walk in God's purpose in my life, I feel his pleasure. His joy is with me. Too many of us, too many people are are round pegs trying to hit a, a square hole and that's why you're frustrated. That's why you're not happy. That's not why you're not walking in the fullness of who God has called you to be. That's why you don't have joy. Why? See, God, he is a creator. And the creator always feels joy when, he crea- when his creation does what he created it to do. We just moved and, and um, you know, doing all the changeover for cable or internet and all that stuff and, and for all the stuff that you do, there's, gosh, and I didn't create it, but when, when I put all the parts together and I plug it in and I plug in everything and then it works, there's this great joy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Conversely, last night I went to a game in, in L.A. At, at the SoFi Stadium, a bowl game, and, and, and I, was, I was, they sent me tickets electronically. I was ready to, I, I'm telling you, I, I, the closest I've come to, to cussing in my life. I mean, literally. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm right there on the edge, right on the edge. But Rick, I didn't do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Frustration. But right when, I love this, this quote, and uh, this is another 4.30 in the morning. So God, God, I, I, God feels joy when his creation, you and me are doing exactly what he created us to do. There's this great joy in his heart. When my children do what I know they're created to do, there's this great joy in my heart. When I watch McKenna, a psych nurse, and and she got so much practice in our family, and I see her doing that in real life, and there's just a joy in my heart that she's doing exactly what she was created to do. I know it's funny, but it's true. The creator has incredible joy when his creation does what God has called them to do. God's economy, gifts plus purpose plus walking it out equals joy. Where's your joy? Where's your joy? It's not in this hour service. I'm sorry. I just realized I'm I'm bumping up against. Where are you going to go? You can leave if you want. Where's your joy? It's in your gifting. You can't find your joy. It's in your gifting. It's in your purpose. Your joy that you may have lost, it's in your purpose. Here's the interesting thing in the Bible, it's not contingent on your circumstances. You could have the worst circumstances in the world, but, but if you're walking in your giftedness and you're walking in your purpose and you're walking, there's joy. There's joy. It's in your story. The joy of the Lord is right in the middle of your story. Not his, not hers, not theirs, but your story, and God wants you to enter the story because everyone has a story, and your story is important to be told. So this Christmas, I'm asking you to enter the story. Enter the story. I I wanna finish with this. The Fully Worship Identified Christmas, we've been talking about that, but I wanna finish with this video from yesterday. Um, I'm gonna play it and watch it and then I'll explain. (laughs) This was uh, yesterday in Newport and all these young people were there I have, do I have an echo? You go. All these young people are there for a paddle out for a 23-year-old young man who passed away. Elijah. Good friend, all of ours. Luke. It's his brother. And uh, I was sitting there. I couldn't find my wetsuit, so I wasn't going in. So I sat from the, the sand, and I was sitting there and I'm just watching the impact of this one young man's life. You know, what you don't see on the pier next, to there's there's probably another 50 people standing on the pier watching as they're, they're doing this. And there's people on the sand and there's literally you know, I'll be not hundreds of people that were impacted by this one young man. See, everybody's story matters. Your story matters. Your story matters. Enter in during this Christmas season. Enter, enter in during this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women. God, I thank you for your word. God, let us enter into your presence. God, let us enter into our stories. Let us walk in the fullness of who you've created us to be our purpose. That you, Christ Jesus, might be glorified. That you, Jesus, might be Be glorified in our homes, in our places of work, in our neighborhoods. God, I thank you for this time. Lord, as we receive communion this morning, God, I pray that we just examine our hearts. God, if you're speaking to uh, me this morning, if you're speaking to anyone individually this morning, God, I thank you that there's grace. I thank you for your love and your forgiveness. And that's why we celebrate this holy moment of communion because we have grace. Because of what you did, Jesus, some 2,000 years ago. So as you come to receive in the next few moments, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you receive these elements, examine your heart first and foremost. And then go and receive the bread that represented the blood of the body of Christ and then go and receive the juice that represented the blood of Jesus that was spilled for you. And then walk out of this place and be the hands and feet of Jesus. During this Christmas enter into the story in your homes. Love people well. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.